Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far east of Tamriel. I am your host, Eric, aka Sulior, and today we are going to be talking about the Daedric Prince of Bargains. But yes, that is Clavicus Vile. But before we get to that, we do have a little bit of news. So Blackwood, as well as the base game of ESO, is on sale right now due to QuakeCon coming up. So right now you can save up to 35% off of the Blackwood expansion and up to 60% off the base game itself. And this is for all platforms. So let's go through when these sales are going on. So so if you're picking this up on the Elder Scrolls Online store, it, you can get the standard edition on sale from the 10th through the 31st of August. And if you're getting the Blackwood expansion, it is through the 24th. So if you go to Bethesda.net, the sale is the same time for the standard editions through the 31st and for Blackwood, it's through the 24th. And let's see, Steam, same dates. Uh, Google Stadia, if you are one of the poor suckers that has that, no offense, uh, Google Stadia. But uh, the sale is through September 1st for the Standard Edition and August 24th for Blackwood. If you're getting this on Xbox, it is August 9th through the 31st. And for Blackwood, it is August 9th through the 23rd. In addition, the individual sale times and uh, end times may differ depending on your platform. So be sure to check your preferred retailer to confirm and don't miss out. Alright, so speaking of QuakeCon, let's uh, talk about the events going on for that. So I don't see this on the schedule here, but a couple of my friends are going to be involved in that. That would be Jessica Starr from the Fallout feed and um, Mr. Robots and Lotus of Doom from the Elder Scrolls Online. But uh, let's talk about a little bit of the sales going on so or not the sales the uh, events going on my apologies so this goes on from thursday august 19th through saturday august 21st and these events include games tournaments charity fundraising musical performances easy for me to say giveaways celebrity streams developer panels and more so a lot of these some of these things start as early as 7 a.m. and that's because there's events that I guess are taking place in Europe so there's Quake Pro League uh, events going on starting at 7 a.m. and uh, there's even things uh, like uh, Wolfenstein 3D gameplay so it looks like uh, these events are going to take place on four different Twitch or I'm sorry three different Twitch channels, and then there's also a Discord channel. There's Bethesda Global, there is QuakeCon Community, there is the QuakeCon Discord, and the Quake Pro League Twitch channel. So that is the first day. The second day has a lot more going on. This is Saturday, I'm sorry, Friday, August 20th. So there's things that go along with Deathloop, there's Doom Eternal, there is stuff that goes on with uh, Elder Scrolls Online, there's Doom 2016 events, 
There is Fallout 76 events. There's a, a Brotherhood speed building event in Fallout 76. There's, um, if I remember right, there is the um, event that's going on with Jessica Star is um, some sort of. Uh, oh, you know what? It's a junk shine run. It just I um, just remembered what it is because I heard her talk about this on Friday on the Fallout feed. So what it is is it's people who strip down to their underwear and then take a shot of Nuka Shine, which of course teleports them to some random spot on the map, and they have an hour to get back to the uh, camp that J-Star is gonna be at, and they need to collect as much junk along the way as they can carry. Now, you can be a little devious with this, and uh, if you die, you lose your junk, so, do it that what you will so yeah that, that's called the junk shine uh run <laughs> so it's a, that kind of a funny name there but uh yeah that is what she is gonna have going on and i will tell you when that is as soon as i find it on the schedule here that is friday 2 p.m central time on the quakecon community twitch so definitely definitely check that out so the reliving of Skyrim's opening with the creators from Bethesda Game Studios happens on Friday the 19th at 4 p.m. And this is uh, Eastern Daylight Time. If you're a fan of Chad, a Fallout 76 story, they've got a special on August 19th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And it is going to be with uh, Wes Johnson, who voices um, Shea Gorath, among many other characters um, from both Fallout and Elder Scrolls. Uh, Lady Devon, uh, Vault of Daedalus, I'm not sure what that is, uh, Neil Gortz, and uh, Chip Joslin, who voices Graham from Fallout 76, you know, who, guy who loves Meat Week and Shelly the Moo Moo. Um, we've got some other voice actors, Alex E. Cazares, uh, uh, Kneecap, I'm not sure, I'm going to have to uh, see what that is, but they are going to be hosting Apocalypse Squares. Um, also, uh, Dave Chaffins with uh, the Fallout Hub is going to be a part of that. So that, that'll that be fun. That's, uh, again, uh, August 19th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Okay, so the event with uh, Robots uh, Radio, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, is going to be Friday the 20th at 11 a.m., and they're going to be doing a lore and game quiz show, and it's, um, again, with Lotus of Doom and uh, Aramithius, I apologize for Written in Uncertainty. So they're going to see who knows the most ESO, or not just... ESO, but Elder Scrolls in general, uh, lore. So that will be fun. So I will be posting a link for the schedule in the show notes, of course. So definitely, definitely go check that out. So also in the news, there is an article on ElderScrollsOnline.com about update 31 and uh, a big graphic upscale for those of you who have the next-gen consoles 
and the update arrives on PC and Mac and Stadia on August 23rd, Xbox One, Xbox Series S and X, PlayStation 4 and 5 on August 31st. So I guess um, the uh, PS4 and, P and uh, Xbox One are going to be part of this too. So again, yes, I will be um, posting the article in the show notes if you'd like to take a look. So uh, that is it for the news. So let's see, what have I been playing lately? So the uh, Pan Elsewhere event is, of course, finished. Um, that finished after the last episode dropped. And I had a lot of fun with that. I was really sad when that was done because I got to work with a lot of people to take down these dragons and these world bosses and got a lot of good loot for that. So, yeah, I was I was sad to see that go. Uh, maybe we'll get a uh, Pan Somerset or Pan Morrowind event, Pan Skyrim. Who knows? Um, hopefully we'll get something like that again in the future. As fun as it was to take down dragons, um, yeah, maybe if there is a Pan Skyrim event, we can take down some uh, of those Hellstorms or, you know, Vampire Lords, things like that. That would be fun. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, that stopped, and I've since started working again on the main quest, so... I am just about ready to invade Cold Harbor. There's a couple of other things that you got to take care of before that happens. Like you've got to find a temporary truce between the leaders of the Three Banners War and uh, get them to stop trying to kill each other and focus on the bigger threat, that being Moag Ball. Um... Other than that, I streamed a little bit of Cyberpunk. That's been fun to get into that again. Uh, Cyberpunk's always a good time, despite what the masses say about the game. It has since received a lot of improvements over the past few months, so it's not as glitchy and doesn't crash as much. Actually, I don't think it's crashed on me at all since you know I started playing again. Um, I think I mentioned, it was either on this show or in Nintendo, uh, an article about a game called The Ascent, and it's being heralded as the best cyberpunk game of 2021. So I streamed a little bit of that, and, uh, um, actually I think I did mention this. Um, yeah, it, well, no. I, I don't, no, that was that was a different game that I was that I'm thinking of. Um, the Ascent. Uh, I don't know what to say about that. It 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 needs some work. It. I mean, it. First off, it's an isometric game, so it's a completely different. It's got completely different mechanics compared to Cyberpunk 2077. It, it's not bad. It it just it needs some balancing. It. It needs some work, so who knows. It's on Game Pass right now if you want to check it out. Uh, you can check out my stream. I probably streamed it for a good couple of hours. So, I mean, I guess it is what it is. Um, let's see, I've been playing Fallout 76, of course, as always. I've been working on the scoreboard. I think I'm in the 70s now. 
So, um, yeah, there's that. I will probably be talking more about that when we are going to be recording another episode of Tapes from the Waste next weekend. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to be doing a retrospective on a Steel Rain story. Um, I played some Assassin's yeah, I've been playing some Assassin's Creed Origins. I recently picked that up for uh, it's about $15, the Deluxe Edition. Uh, there's a big uh, Ubisoft sale going on on Xbox right now. So that has been a lot of fun. I think I'm up to level 12 now. And I've killed a few of the, the main targets that you get in the early game. So that that's definitely been fun. I'll probably be streaming that here fairly soon. And yeah, I was playing some Witcher 2 and a little bit of Witcher 3, uh, working on the Hearts of Stone DLC. But Witcher 2, I'm still fairly early. I killed the first big monster. So yeah, that's that's been fun. So just uh, be on a lookout. I'll probably be streaming here again here in the next couple weeks, uh, some somewhat regularly. So anyway, um, yeah, that's really all I've been playing. Uh, I'm going to be on the Fallout feed again soon because I've finished the main quest in Fallout 4, so we're going to be doing a wrap-up of the roundtable. So anyway, let's take a short break. You'll hear, hear me shill for Anchor, and then we will talk Clavicus Vile. So stay tuned, guys. Alright you guys, welcome back. So let's talk Clavicus Vile. So as always, this information is coming from the unofficial Elder Scrolls page, Wiki. Um, definitely, definitely check them out if you have any other questions or anything. You know, I'm I, a uh, big fan of that page. So like all of these Daedric Princes and Aedra and all that, there's a quote at the beginning of this article so clavicus this is from clavicus vile himself he says you think you lose you die and that's the end it's not so what that means um i guess maybe if you make a deal with him uh you'll (laughs) you'll be uh paying for it for a long time so Clavicus Vile is also known as the Prince of Trickery and Bargains, the Master of Insidious Wishes, Child God of the Morning Star, and Nykot to come to some Second Era cultists who lack the ability to read Daedric script, so they just call him Nykot. Okay, so he is a Daedric prince whose sphere is granting the power of wishes. I'm sorry, granting, the granting of power and wishes through ritual, invocations, and pacts. He is seen as one of the more sophisticated of the Daedric Princes, and often appears in the guise of a jovial Scaffin, a race of horned Daedra that, that inhabit the Fields of Regret, which is his realm of oblivion. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. So he finds eternity to be quote-unquote boring, so he finds entertainment in watching mortals and occasionally meddling in their affairs. That also sounds a little bit like sanguine. He has been known to be the patron to vampires, gracing them with social stature, reason, and savvy, allowing them not only to live among regular mortals, but to hold powerful positions in society. However, not all of Vile's uh, 
machinations, I think is how you pronounce that word, are necess necessarily insidious. He has been known to reward those who, on his direction, eliminate threats to the, gen to the general public while serving his own interests. So, Vile is often, he's uh, rarely seen without his loyal companion, Barbus, and uh, a lot of people know Barbus to take the form of a talking dog, but he's also known to appear as a scamp, and if you've played Elder Scrolls Online, uh, he also takes the form of, uh, he, uh, kind of like what Clavicus Vile looks like, um, this horned demon-looking dude. But yeah, most often he's he takes the form of a dog, but that's that's just uh, to make you feel a little bit more comfortable. So the two are really close, and Barbus is almost universally depicted alongside his master in statues and paintings and things like that. In fact, Vile has been known to store up to half of his power within Barbus. So um, if you've played the Clavicus Vile quest in Skyrim, he kind of references that where he kicks Barbus out and uh, he doesn't feel quite as powerful. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, But these facts have led to speculation that the pair are in fact two halves of the same being, which honestly I could see that, although Barbus usually refers to Clavicus Vile as his master. But uh, Clavicus Vile himself is the enemy of Eb the Ebon Arm, which uh, we've mentioned that in other episodes. The Ebon Arm is the god of war and the uh, protector, companion and protector of all warriors. He is uh, named Raymond Ebon Arm, and he is said to be the... To, ride on a golden stallion named Warmaster, but I guess he is a uh, he's typically accompanied by a pair of huge ravens and um, Ebon Arm's name refers to the ebony sword fused to his right arm which is a result of wounds he suffered in some other battles so yeah I don't think I've actually talked about him but yeah there you go so honestly I'm not surprised that he's the enemy of Clavicus Vile so, Clavicus Vile's summoning day coincides with the New Life Festival, which is the first of Morning Star. So, Barbus, we've mentioned him earlier, he's the hound of Clavicus Vile. He's a shape-shifting Daedra, although he's most commonly takes the form of a dog or a scuffin, which I mentioned earlier. Um, he's also rumored to be Creeper, the scamp you find in uh, Caldera in Morrowind. So, yeah, he's a talking scamp merchant that you meet in Morrowind. But um, he acts as a repository for around, for around half of Vile's power, though he behaves as his loyal servant rather than his equal, often, often pining for his approval, but little to no avail with that. According to Vile, he likes being a dog, as well as many other things on sunny days. Quote, When he's like this, I think he's somewhere else. It's all quite significant, of course, but who knows what it means. End quote. Although Vile is always depicted along with Barbus, uh, the prince has at times grown tired of and abandoned him. And Vile, I'm sorry, uh, while Barbus seems to be subservient to Clavicus Vile, he often warns people against Vile's plots suggesting that he has some discretion and free will. 
He sometimes takes the form of a musically talented scamp named Reaper. Or not, I'm sorry, Creeper. Um, yeah, I mentioned that earlier. I think he plays the... He's got a drum with him, if I'm not mistaken, in Morrowind. But, uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Clavicus Vile's history. So, some of the earliest evidence of Clavicus Vile comes from the form of ancient idols and cave paintings dating back to the Merithic era. They depict Clavicus Vile standing with Barbas at his side. So, wow, that far back, that's insane. So, um, there's a picture here of Clavicus Vile in his realm. I'm not sure what game this comes from. But it's pretty blocky, so I'm thinking probably Redguard, either Redguard or Battlespire. I'm not sure. So, um, but let's talk about him in the second era. During the sixth century, at the height of the Natan flu within Black Marsh, the Kothringi people were on the verge of extinction, and in desperate effort to save themselves, a singular tribe in the north, in northern Shadowfen turned to the Daedra for help bad idea. Well, I guess they were, they were that desperate because the Nat and Flu... Yeah, if you need more information on the Nat and Flu, go back to the Deadly Diseases of Tamriel episode. I believe that was one of the... That was like the first proper episode of the show. So, Clavicus Vile offered to save their tribe at, a, at the cost of their, their mortality and they accepted. Surviving but becoming undead and a, unable to die... They would then continue their way of life until 582 and the Vestige discovered the truth of the tribe and was given a choice by Clavicus Vile. They could break the curse and kill the last of the Kothringi, including those who wanted to continue living, or they could doom the rest of the unwilling Kothringi to continue their suffering forevermore. Which fate the Vestige picked for the Kothringi is unknown. I really need to play this quest because I heard that the Kothringi were in ESO, but I have not encountered them. I really need to find them. I guess they're in Shadowfin. So I really need to get on that, because that is right up my alley as far as lore goes. I, you know, I, as far as I know, this is the only game that the Kothringi are even in. So, I've seen screenshots of them. Like, I posted one on um, on Instagram at one point, I think if if not Twitter uh, months back so I need to really get on that, so at some point in the early second era Clavicus Vile formed a secretive alliance known only as the Triad pacting with two other princes Mephala and Nocturnal these are the events of the Somerset DLC uh, yeah, it's a DLC now. It started out as a chapter. And I was posting pictures of this on social media also because I was losing my mind seeing all three of these Daedra in person, quote-unquote. It was really cool. So uh, their goal was to take total control of Nern by any means possible. Their first target was the mystical, sorry, mythical Crystal Tower on Somerset. As part of their scheme, Clavicus Vile made a deal with the Slodes of, of Ulvorkus, I think is how you pronounce that, U-L-apostrophe-V-O-R-K-U-S. He would give them the Isle of Somerset as 
sorry, in exchange for a piece of the transparent law, the stone of the crystal tower. The cabal of sea sloads brainwashed the right master of the Sigic order, order, the Kesis, into stealing the transparent law, but Nocturnal secretly betrayed Clavicus Vile and Mafala and helped the Kesis. I think it's how you pronounce it. That might be an I. Iakesis. I, I'm not sure. You're, um, anyway, he they hid the stone from the rest of the triad until such time that she could move forward with her own plans. Iakesis then moved the Isle of Artaeum off Nern entirely to avoid falling under the influence of the princes again. With the triad's plan seemingly foiled, they moved on to and began to plot their next move. So I'm not going to get into the rest of this because a lot of this is spoilers if you haven't played this part of the game yet. But definitely, definitely get on that because it was a lot of fun uh, going through and dealing with all these Daedric Princes in person. And not only do you encounter them in person, but you also... Uh, at one point go into each one of their realms of oblivion it was really cool so also clavicus file is a part of the clockwork city dlc so uh he you don't really deal with clavicus vile in person so much as you deal with barbus and you yeah basically you stop his plan to deal with them. Um, I'm sorry, that wasn't part of the Clockwork City DLC. That was actually part of the Morrowind DLC. I apologize. Yeah, that, that was part of Morrowind. Um, the False Incarnate was using or uh, Clavicus Vile and Barbus to drain um, Vivek's power. So, yeah, he was also a part of that. And yes, I was right. That picture was from Redguard, so he is also a part of the Redguard game. So the famed hero Cyrus the Redguard ventured into Clavicus Vile's realm in Second Era 864, seeking the soul of his sister Izara, I think is how you pronounce that. Vile kindly gave him the opportunity to have it. Um, the two gambled, and the prince wagering Izara's soul, and Cyrus wagering his own soul. So that he was really involved in events of the second era. So let's move on to the third era. Around third era 405, this is um, Daggerfall once again. He's he's in Daggerfall. Um, I actually there's a picture of him in the Daggerfall game in the article if you want to go check that out. So, an agent of the Blades working in the Iliac Bay region summoned Clavicus Vile. The prince agreed to give the agent the Mask of Clavicus Vile, which we'll talk about that here in a few minutes, in exchange for killing a werewolf that was terrorizing the area. So that is how he is in Daggerfall. Let's move on to Morrowind. So, the Bitter Cup... Um, a relic associated with the prince became the focus of the Thieves' Guild in uh, Vardenfell in 3rd Era 427. The Nervarine retrieved the artifact from the ruins of Ald Redania, uh, Ald Redania, sorry, and used it to bribe Idisius, Idis, I think it's E Y D I S, Fire Eye, a member of the Balmora Fire Fighters Guild. 
Okay, so she is actually... Uh, I think she's one of the... She's the person you go to for contracts in the Balnor Fighters Guild. So apparently she is a secret worshipper of Clavicus Vile. I did not know that. That is a thing that I have never done in Morrowind because with Morrowind you can't just have any character be a member of the Thieves Guild. So like if you're a big hulking Nord they're not going to let you into the Thieves Guild because in their mind you will not be sneaky enough. So I have never actually really done anything with the Thieves Guild in Morrowind but that is how you encounter Clavicus Vile. So, also, the Nerevarine came into the possession of the legendary sword Umbra by defeating the previous owner, an orc also named Umbra, who had grown tired of life. This is actually something that I have done in Morrowind. The Nerevarine later on sold the sword to Torasa Aram, the curator of the Mournhold Museum of Artifacts. That is actually something I have encountered, and that guy is not easy to kill. But I did. Um, Umbra then resurfaced in Cyrodiil in 433. This, of course, is during the events of Oblivion. Vile tasked the champion of Cyrodiil with retrieving the sword from a Bosmer named Umbra. Interesting how the owners of Umbra seem to change the name to her, have the name Umbra. So um, you can retrieve the sword from. Umbra the Bosmer in exchange for the Mask of Clavicus Vile. However, Barbus attempts to dissuade the champion from doing so, saying the sword was bad business, and if Clavicus regained the sword, it would ruin him. Interesting. And why would... Okay. It is unclear whether or not the champion returned the sword. Yeah, you have the choice whether or not to do so. But it is known to be in the prince's possession a few years later. So that is the events of the Third Era. Let's move on to the events of the Fourth Era. A floating isle named Umbrael. This is um, this happens during one of the novels. I, want, I think it's called The Floating Island. Give me uh, one second. Let me look that up here. Nope, it is actually called The Infernal City. So there's two Elder Scrolls novels. There's The Infernal City and The Lord of Souls. So I'm more familiar with Infernal City. I've read a little bit of it, but I've never actually finished it. But the floating isle that uh, is referenced here, Umbrail, is a part of that first novel, The Infernal City. So the floating island appeared in the skies of Tamriel in 4th era 48. It was a chunk of Clavicus Vile's realm of oblivion, and it was torn away with the aid of Umbra by the Dunmer... Wuhan, I think is how you pronounce that, and his new Ingrin, Ingrin, Ingenium, I-N-G-E-N-I-U-M, with the aid of Umbra. The event was known as the Umbrail Crisis, and is not the only significantly, this not only significantly impacted Tamriel, but also greatly weakened Claviscus' file. I apparently can't talk right now, I apologize. Eventually, Clavicus Vile was able to regain the power he lost during uh, due to this crisis. So, um, yeah, I have not even read any of the second novel, The Lord of Souls, but I'll read you a brief um, summary of it. 
Reeling from a devastating discovery, Prince Atribius continues on his seemingly doomed quest to obtain a magical sword that holds the key to destroying the deadly invaders. Meanwhile, in the Imperial City, the spy Colin finds evidence of a betrayal at the heart of the Empire, and if his own heart doesn't betray him first. So this seems to be a continuation of the events from the first novel. So, um, yeah, um, you need some more Elder Scrolls in your life and need something to read, there you go. So, all right, let's continue on with the Fourth Era. So let's talk about what happens during Skyrim. So in Fourth Era 201, Barbus approached the last dagon dragonborn outside of Falkreath in Skyrim for help. He and Clavicus Vile had gotten into a heated argument, and the prince kicked Barbus out until he could get someone to settle things. Barbus led the dragonborn to a vampire-infested shrine to his master. After killing the vampires, who were seeking a cure inadvertently granted, uh, that's kind of dark, Vile asked the dragonborn to retrieve an artifact, the Rueful Axe. Upon returning the axe, Vile offered to let the dragonborn keep it in exchange for killing Barbus. Though Barbus suggested the prince offer his mask instead, though it is not known which option the dragonborn took. I've never killed Barbus. I don't know why anybody would. I always want to get the mask. So, speaking of the mask, let's talk about the artifacts. So first we'll talk about Bittercup, which uh, was mentioned in the Morrowind section. So, the Bittercup, or the Bitter Cup, one word or two words, is an artifact sacred to Clavicus Vile, the Daedric Prince of Bargains. It is prized by the Daedra Lord's followers. Only the strongest of the Emperor's servants are advised to make the covenant with Prince Clavicus, and even then they are warned against sipping from the bitter cup. So that uh, does not sound pleasant. I don't know why anybody would want to keep that around. Let's talk about the mask. So, the mask of Clavicus Vile is a helm which makes the wearer more popular wherever he or she may go. So yeah, it boosts your charisma, essentially. Much like other Daedra and their artifacts, Clavicus seems to retain ultimate control of the mask and may recall it without warning. The best known story of the mask tells the tale of Avela, a noblewoman of some renown. I haven't heard this story, but okay. As a young girl, she was grossly disfigured by a spiteful servant. Avela made a dark deal with the Clavicus file and retrieved the mask in return. Though the mask did not change her looks, suddenly she had the respect and admiration of everyone. A year and a day later, um, after her marriage to a well-connected baron, Clavicus file reclaimed the mask. Although pregnant with his child, Avela was banished from the Baron's household. Actually, I think I have heard this story. I don't remember how. 21 years and one day later, Avela's daughter claimed her vengeance by slaying the Baron. So, yeah, I, I think I actually have heard that story. I don't... It must have been in a book or something that I read. <clears throat> All right, let's talk about Umbra. The Umbra Sword is a Daedric artifact designed with the sole purpose of entrapment of souls. So this sword has a pretty hefty soul trap enchantment on it. Sometime before Second Era 582, the ancient witch Nerna, or sorry, Nainra, 
Ware, W-A-E-R-R, created the sword at the request of Clavicus File, who wanted the sword as a tool of mischief, which we he would send which would send him souls from the mortal realm. Nainra created the sword, but it was unstable, requiring Vile to give the witch a piece of his power to be imbued in the sword in order to stabilize it. However, Nainra, sometimes accredited with being Sheogorath in disguise, somehow that doesn't surprise me, supposedly tricked him as a piece of Vile's power imbued in the sword became sentient, and it became the being which called itself Umbra. Nainra was executed for her evil creation, but not before she hid the sword. The sword took on a life of its own, remaining hidden until a worthy wielder was found. Umbra then slowly takes control of the wielder. So that's why these people end up calling themselves Umbra, because the sword apparently eventually possesses them. The sword has the ability to change shape, but it is always the form of a bladed weapon. It has been reported as black and silver, uh, being a claymore, jet black as a long sword, and a black sword emblazoned with red markings. The sword is also known to have the ability to absorb the health and stamina of those it strikes. So that's a pretty nasty weapon. Alright, so we now come to the Rueful Axe, which apparently is only in Skyrim. So, the Rueful Axe is a Daedric artifact created by Clavicus Vile. It takes the form of a long, sorry, a large iron battle axe engraven with images of werewolves, although it is actually made of ebony. It is enchanted to magically fatigue anyone that it strikes. And this axe was supposedly created by Vile for Sebastian Lord, a powerful Breton conjurer who's daughter was a worshiper of Hircine, which has to do with the werewolf, and cursed with lycanthropy. So, yeah, again, werewolf. To cure his daughter, Sebastian prayed to Vile for his aid. In response, the prince gave him an axe, allowing him with the, uh, a means of curing his daughter by slaying her. Somehow afterwards, Sebastian would lose the axe. So, yeah, all these, like... Yeah, it. Be careful what you wish for, guys. So, with especially with Clavicus file, he he's the prince of bargains, but they rarely benefit you in the long run. So we come to the last artifact, which is Fae Falcon. It's possibly fictional, but it's an artifact of Clavicus file, which is subject to which is the subject of a historical fiction book. It is a quill enchanted with the soul of Clavicus Vile, um, named Frey, uh, sorry, a servant of Clavicus Vile named Faith Falcon. At the request of Tharbad, a sage at the Temple of Ariel, it transfigures the writing of the user into a scripture of unparalleled quality. So basically it makes you a hell of a writer. The trade-off for wielding this quill is that it manipulates the thoughts of its holder. <laughs> so, yeah, it, you can write masterpieces, but in the end, it's not really you. In the case of Tharbad, he was driven to suicide, even writing notes to whoever would discover his body. So, yeah, these these uh, deals never benefit you in the long run. It, what's... You know, is it's not worth it. 
So, like I said, that deal with Clavicus Vile, you know, where he wants to kill Barbus, I never do it. I tell him to shove it, and then he gives me the mask. And then he's like, you know what? I'm more powerful now, you know, because I rejoined with Barbus, so thank you. So, last, we will discuss his Realm of Oblivion. So, like I said, you get to see this a little bit in The Elder Scrolls Online, and apparently you see it a little bit in Redguard. But it's known as the Field of Regret, and of course it's created and ruled over by Clavicus Vile. The realm appears as a tranquil countryside dotted with majestic cities of grass and I'm sorry, glass and ornate buildings populated by Scoffin. These are these the demon-looking things with the horns that sometimes it, it, I mean Clavicus Vile himself kind of looks like one. But it contains dense forests, lakes, and mountains with floating golden metals and stone spirals filling the landscape. The city of Umbriel was once a part of this realm, but eventually severed and came to rest in the realm of the Hist, which sounds a lot like Black Marsh. So um, the article also has some pictures of Clavicus Vile, both him and his shrines. Um, there's even a picture of Clavicus Vile and Barbus. You kind of see their silhouette in the Somerset announcement trailer. Uh, there's a picture of the two of them from Daggerfall, and Barbus looks even bigger than Clavicus Vile himself. But yeah, the statues of Clavicus Vile that you see in ESO and and Skyrim and Oblivion, he always well not so much in Oblivion, but he usually has the mask with him. So yeah, that is Clavicus Vile. Next up, we will we will be covering Hermaeus Mora. So if you've played Skyrim, you've definitely encountered him more than once. So I would like to thank the Hive as always for sponsoring this podcast. And if you would like to get a hold of me, I can be found on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me personally at iangold08. You can follow the show at tamrealp. As I mentioned earlier, I stream on Twitch from time to time at sulior, twitch.tv slash sulior. I do have a TikTok, but I rarely use it. I mainly use it to post videos for Instagram. Um, I do play Elder Scrolls Online, but right now I'm mainly focusing on PC. Not PC, I'm sorry, Xbox. Um, So you can find me on the Xbox uh, European server. I think I'm up to, uh, let's see, I think I'm at combat rating 188 or 189. So that has been fun. So yeah, that is about it. You can also find me on Discord. And as I mentioned, uh, next Saturday, the I'm sorry, next Friday, the 20th, I'm going to be on the Fallout feed again toward the end of the show. Um, like maybe the last hour or hour and a half, something like that. We're going to be wrapping up our round table on Fallout 4. So yeah, that, that's been great. I'm really glad that I've been a part of that and I will probably be involved in the next one, whatever they do. Also, if you'd like to support the show, uh, tell a friend, tell your neighbor, tell your coworkers, whatever you got to do. 
Or you can also leave me a review on Apple Podcast, and if you do that with some text, I will read it out on the show. I honestly don't remember the last time that I got a rating or review for this show. Also, check out my other shows. I got Nintendo, which I just posted an episode on the Minish Cap, so definitely check that out. I've slowly but surely been making my way through the Zelda series. And also, as I mentioned earlier, we got Tapes from the Waste, where we talk about Fallout lore, and we should be recording an episode next weekend. So definitely, definitely check those out. And as always, stay safe, adventurers. <laughs>